Hello, I am Lee Hedgepantelis, the Principal of Bryden's Lawyers, and welcome to Law Pod. You are just about to listen to episode three of our Blues Legend podcast, but let me commend to you episodes one and two first. Please enjoy. How many tries for Manly, Stephen? 180. Is and, that all? And how many? Wow. Of, and how many of those did Cliffy Lyons put you through? Uh, 120. <laughs> the best, best try assister in the game that you he, played he's with? He's the greatest player I've ever played with. Yep. He's, um, yeah, as a ball runner, and early, you know, the majority of my early career was as a ball runner. So you just, I could, I was playing in the back row, but I could go right side, left side, wherever I, I thought the opportunity was. And as a ball runner, you rely on the ball player to hit you at the time. You could be the best hole runner in the world if, the, if he doesn't hit you at the right time. And, and, and I could just, yeah, if I was going to be outside here, cut late inside or kick to the outside if the gap wasn't there, I could just go anywhere and just literally shout what I'm doing I'm kicking to the outside cutting deep skip it whatever and he would just lock in for on bang and it's yeah. you, you play with so many ball players over your career that are quality first graders and they, there's only a handful that can react on the fly mm. with players around them with and if it's not on they won't pass it to you I could be shouting but if it's not on it's it's, it's phenomenal. He was, he was amazing. But that's the thing that both of you, Luke and Steve, had in common, both great line runners. You know, you'd be looking to be put through the gap. Who would you be looking for, Luke? You know, someone who had the ball in hand, you think, oh, well, it's on here. I've, you know, I've got to look at this line now. Back end of my career, Mickey Ennis. He was yep. so smart at it. He knew exactly who to get out, when to get out. He knew exactly what part of the field that he laid the line on where he knew I'd get a one-on-one with the halves, inside shoulder or outside shoulder. So Mickey Ennis was one guy I really relied on. James Maloney was very good at it as well. But Chad Townsend at the mm. time, he, he, he sort of started to pick it up really well. But I think Cooper Cronk was probably one of the best. I, I remember playing in an Australian game with him and he go, Louis, play three, coming back, hit out, outside shoulder, we should get him here. Mm. Oh, man, I'm sticking this bloke's off his head. Yeah. Runs three, three plays over to the right, comes back on play four, hits me on a beautiful little outline, and it is untouched. So mm. he, he was so good at stuff like that, he, he and he was so good at playing square and giving me a one-on-one with the, with the half. So uh, those kind of guys, just the way that they would look at you or the reaction mm. and, and knowing the, the setup on the field was spot on. What about you, Craig? I mean, 90% of the time you're yeah. the first player to pick up the ball, yeah. dummy half. Who are you looking for? Who, who did you always know was going to take the ball? Uh, always take the ball, Craig Fitzgibbon. Actually, yeah. the three best players I played with would be Craig Fitzgibbon, Brad Fittler and uh, Joey Johns. Fitzy, uh, because I never met anyone that worked as hard as he did and was as reliable as he, he was. He always put his body on the line. You always knew what you were going to get with him. Freddie, in terms of leadership, whenever he was in the team... If ever things went wrong, you just you just knew if he was there, we would get back on track or we'd find a way. And then Joey, just in terms of his level of skill, he's by far probably the best all-round player skill. He, even his defence was was outstanding. And every time Joey had the ball in his hand, in origin particularly, um, every time he had the ball in his hand, if you saw an opportunity in front of you, regardless of where you were on the field, you'd have a gut feeling that he would have seen it as well and somehow he would get the ball to you. So, yeah, they're my, they're my top three. All right, you mentioned Craig Fitzsimmons. Um, he's been in the, in the news yeah. a bit lately. Will he make a good coach? I think I mean, he'll, he'll be a great coach. He's very much a student of the game. He's a deep thinker. I think he will bring some very, very good systems and processes across from the Roosters. He's been under Trent Robinson's uh, wing for quite a long time. And Trent, just talking to him, he's, he's, uh, he thinks about the game inside out and from a number of different angles. Mm. Uh, I was actually really blown away how 
different he was when I first met him when I came back from Japan and I asked him a few questions about how he coaches, where he gets his inspiration from and everything. He's just like a, he's like a CEO, if, if anything, of a, of, a, of a major company, the way that he thinks about his football team. So I think, I think Fitzy will take that across with him mm. and, and Louis is going to have a great time working with him down at the Sharks. Craig mentioned the best three players he ever played with. Yep. Your thoughts, Stephen? <coughs> you, you mentioned Cliffy Lyons. Yeah, Cliffy, the best I've ever played against. Uh, obviously, with it yep. is Joey. I just think everything you need to do as a rugby league player, you, you know, he can run, he can pass, he can tackle, yeah, and and kick, step, and then you, you people sort of see the, the crazy side of Joey. But they, and so he's an amazing talent. He's an amazing talent. But you don't see the work ethic. And yeah. I suppose Wingy sort of touched on it there. He's his dedication. Things he practices. The try that Mini scored when they kicked back across uh, downtown kick and hits the hits the post and stuff. They practice that sort mm. of stuff. He practices to kick from 40 meters out to kick back across to, to hit a post. Like he practices how can the ball roll on the end goal and stay in the end goal longer. He he he's a student of the game as well. And people don't see that side. They just see that the talent side guy. He's just the most talented. But it's but it's like you know in every, invariably when you see the greatest, they've got the mm. best work ethic too. Luke, your thoughts? Oh, I've got a list of them. Uh, I was lucky enough to play with Cam Smith, who's obviously going to go down as probably the greatest player to ever play. Billy Slater, I think, who's changed the whole game at fullback. I think, uh, you know, those two guys alone. Um, Brad Fittler, obviously, childhood hero. I got to play Origin with him. And, and Mickey Ennis, I, I loved playing with Mickey Ennis. He's one of those guys who was just a, a, a guy that you knew was just going to rock up, give you everything you had. He's 100 miles an hour at training. And Craig Gower, I love playing with Gower. He was just one of those blokes who was just relentless, tough, wanted to get into everything. Didn't matter how hard or how tough things were going. He's always the one who would lead the way. So I think there's so many other players that I could that I played with that in their own right are outstanding. But those guys I mentioned, they really stand out for me. Uh, one of the things that's been spoken about a lot in the papers recently in the media generally has been uh, what they perceive to be arrogance on the part of this Panthers squad, right? And I think sometimes it's just perceived to be arrogance because he's just so good at the moment. That's you know, And it just irks people the wrong way. But Ricky Stewart made a comment the other day. He said that since the time that they banned the punch, he says, there's all this pushing and pulling and jumper grabbing and things like that. It's, it's, a, it's not a good look for the game. It's got to go. And I think the last bloke to probably throw a punch would have been Paul Gallon on Nate Miles in an origin game. But shortly after that, they got rid of it. Now, no one's going to say, oh, they've got to bring back the punch and the brawl and stuff. But is the pushing and pulling, the jumper grabbing, is it not? He says... According to Ricky, a lot of blokes are super tough to do that because they know they're not going to get a, a crack. I agree with you. Well, that's probably right, isn't it? One hundred percent. You can, you can push and pull on people's jumpers because you know they're not going to turn around. Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be grabbing, you know, one of your jumpers or blockers' jumper or something and pulling it without thinking. Oh, when does a halfback get up and pull, pull a front row or push a front rower <laughs> in the face? Sure. No, I, I, I don't, don't like it. I don't think it's a good sportsmanship. Give Les, Les like Davidson a push. No, no, right. I don't think so. Yeah, that's right. Or grab his jumper, point and see what happens. Yeah, they should bring. I know it's 1% uh, of the population don't like the punching. But yep. at the end of the day, if you did throw a punch, let her have one-on-one -on -one mm. and do what the NFL, the NHL do. Send them off for two minutes, yep. both of them. Let them play for two minutes and then bring them back on because all this push and shovel would disappear. Yep. As yep. soon as you know that someone can, you can get punched in the face with yep. doing something stupid, yep. Yep. it will all stop. Well, Paul Kent made a, a point last night on NRL 360. He says they should go harder on the third man in. Mm. So if two blokes line up toe-to-toe, you know, you know, it's the third man in that turns it into a brawl. Yeah. So he says they should go harder on the third man in. He's the one that's creating the brawl. And there's something I think there's something to be said for that as well. Good point. All Good right. point. Yeah. Now, you three blokes have played in incredibly successful teams, right? How early in a season do you know that this team's good? I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're two or three rounds in, you're five or six rounds into the season, you think, oh, hang on a minute, we've got a real shot here. How do you know? I mean, there must be years when you think to yourself, even if we play the best that we can possibly play, we're probably just a bit shy of where we need to be. 
But you've played in two premiership winning teams, Luke. When do you realise this is a, this is a special team? This is this is a team that can do something. I think you realise that you've got a really good squad in the preseason, uh, but then it just depends on how you put it together in mm. in the game. But I think you find out what your game is between zero, or your first game in round six. You sort of find out what sort of team you're about and how you're going to execute it. But um, yeah, I think you know for for 2003 we knew exactly what we had pretty early in the in the season. But by round four things started to turn for us and then again Sharks was the same about mm. round five it sort of started to turn for us we knew what we were about we knew what our game was we just had to get good at executing it week in week out Could you see similarities between the, the Penrith team and the Cronulla team? Uh, ha- yeah. Having had the experience of a premiership win already could you see similarities and go well, hang on this, this team could do it? Very similar because our Penrith side we had a lot of young guys had middle aged guys and we had some really good old heads um, who sort of kept us uh, in check, uh, when you went through to the Sharks, again, we had some really good young up-and-coming kids with Jack Bird, Val Holmes, Ricky, all these kind of guys. We had Benny Barber, who sort of, you know, had come back and started playing his best, Mick Ennis, and then we had some leaders around as well. So Chris Heinington, Paul Gallen. So the list was very similar, um, but two totally different sort of ways that we played. We just believed that we could outscore everyone in 2003. In 2016, we believed that we could bash everyone. And the 2016, of course, was incredibly important. It was Cronulla's first premiership win. And uh, you got the Clive Churchill medal. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was, a weird, it was actually a weird year. Yeah. Um, and I'm always big on writing goals. And I don't tell people that I'm writing or what my goals are for that year. But 2016, everything that I writ down, had written down had, had come off. It was really weird. But um, I remember that year I actually had a photo of Jonathan Thurston sitting on the field holding the Clive Churchill with his daughter. And I knew we were having a kid that year, 2016, so I wanted that photo. Uh, so I started writing down in a book every morning, every night, and on the window in my um, shower head, I used to write it on the window. 2016 uh, Premiership winners, Cronulla Sharks, Clive Churchill medals, Luke Lewis. I used to write it down every day to get a tap on the shoulder on grand final night, which could have went to anyone on that field because mm-hmm. I was so good. Jack Bird, for me, was probably one of the best players on the field. But to get the tap on the shoulder saying that you won it, I couldn't believe it. I nearly mm-hmm. fell over. Couldn't find my wife quick enough, but um, I seen her up on the big screen screaming and... It was funny, I didn't realise until about a week or two weeks later, I actually had the photo that I had sitting in my me, in me, uh, cupboard every time I took the field at training park. It was weird. And for you, Craig, the same question. You know, is it pre-season when you look around at the squad and you think, oh, this is, this is a pretty good team? Or does it if, take time? If, I think it takes time. If, like, I played in a number of... I played in a team with the Roosters that we were good for a number of years in a row and and it was a case you'd find out in, in the pre-season if... if if guys turned up the next year with the same sort of mindset and the same sort of mentality and you've got relatively the same squad around you but preceding all of that I guess it was a number of games into the season where you start to see some young guys that you're pretty much going to build your team around they start to excel they start to find themselves in first grade they start to do some special things on the field the older heads start to take control and then you really start to get a feel that that the team's starting to gel that's probably four, five, six games into it. I mean, when we won in 2002, I think we lost the first five or six games in the year. We lost our halfback at the start of the year. Um, And when different guys got their opportunities, they really stood up. And then we started to get some momentum. And then then we played a number of games. I think the big key is when you play some games where you play average and you feel like the other team should have won, but somehow you find it you find a way to win when you get that feeling and you know you've and you've got the confidence that you can pull that off that's when you know that you've got a good team winning dirty yeah yeah and you Stephen? yeah i mean I you, think, you've played in some great manly yeah. teams right i so, think i think it where where you've come from the year before uh, if you've come from team that's there or thereabouts i think it's like four or five games in you know you can contest that's your best 
injury-wise, you <clears throat> you can go on and win the comp. If you've come from something, the bottom, you know, maybe six, seven, eight or something around those numbers, it might take you 10, 10 rounds to really get the feeling, get the confidence. Confidence is hu- a, a huge thing. If you're, you're all experienced and you've, you've been there before, three wins, two wins, three wins, you've got the confidence. I know we can, we can beat anyone on the day. Mm. When you've got, you know, like as, as the boys sort of said, you need the, the right mix. You need some senior guys. You need some young kids coming through, playing well above their pay grade. You need this com- combination. And, you know, they bring some energy and some youth and you bring the experience. And you know, that can take 10 rounds to get that, oh, my God, we've just, we got an injury in round two. One of the wingers, it was okay. And this young kid steps up and you just go, wow. You know, he just really you know builds into his game and he can't he's a he's a he's a quality first grader those, those little pieces can take can take you 10 rounds but i think halfway through you you, you yeah. need to know then you're you a chance a sense. yeah luke mentioned you know the, the clive Churchill medal of course and how important that was to him you've played your share of grand final your favorite grand final memory like enough to play my last of a game for for the seagulls in, two, in in 2008 came on that was going to be the you know my final game come on the field score a try last eight minutes we win 40 nil it's not a bad. It's not a bad final. It's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Still remember that. But that was one for the books, wasn't? It? No, I don't think anyone would have picked that. No, no it wasn't. And we came off the year before. That was a, you know, 2007. We're up against literally the same um, Melbourne side that had beat us pretty convincingly. Um, so, so to come out and grand final day is weird. And I always say that it can. You, know, you wake up in the morning and think, 12 hours later, this could be the the greatest day of my rugby league career or the worst day of my rugby you know rugby league career and knowing you will never get another chance this is going to be your last game is a little bit of added pressure but uh, it all just sort of fell into place and you know very very surreal day uh, craig for you best grand final memory uh scoring a try off <laughs> a brad fitler pass um i think it 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 put us one or two tries ahead. Uh, that, that was a pretty special moment. And the fact that the try actually came off exactly the way that we'd planned. I was to run an inside-out line on Ivan Cleary's left shoulder. Freddie was to cut across the back of the ruck. I hit the hole and just went straight through. And then I just remember pretty much the whole team streaming through the try line and jumping all over me. And, um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a pretty good moment. Well, speaking of Freddie, of course, he came out of retirement, didn't he, to play in the 2004 yep. State of Origin team, and you were playing at that time. Yep. Is that a big boost? I mean, Freddie had, you know, was a larger-than-life sort of character. Yep. Was, is it a big boost for the team knowing that Freddie's going to come out of retirement? It was, and it was more so, it was just more so from a confidence point of view. You just really felt like across the board. I mean, you're playing in Origin, everyone's the best, you know, they're the, they're the best that New South Wales has got that year, uh, and you should be feeling pretty confident, but... Just Freddie coming along, being the senior guy, been there, done that, the level of calmness that he had, it just really gave the whole team reassurance mm. that, and, and, and as, as I said before um, about Freddie and his leadership, you just knew that if things started to go sideways a little bit, somehow you'd find a way back because Freddie was there. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Because it was yeah. my first year. Oh, and okay. he was my hero, obviously. Mm. And then when I heard he was coming back on the radio, I was driving home. And I was actually yeah. on the phone to him. I said, oh, God, hang on, I've got to go. The radio saying to Brad Fittler might be coming back. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I hope I get picked up. I get yeah. picked. And um, that was the best thing in the world. I'll still never forget when he charged that ball down, yeah. picked, got that yeah. bounce and scored yeah. on the post with his it's hand just, up. It was, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's just a big psychological yeah. boost. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that would have been the same for the Manly team in the Auckland Nines in 2014, Stephen, when you came out of retirement. <clears throat> yes. Well, I, I'd finished, obviously had five years overseas, and I'd just come off a... Yeah, you know, last last of a game retired, and then obviously the nines came around, and 
Desi, you know who he loves playing? His, his big guns for the for nines tournaments. He's going, who can I bring in to, so I don't have to play someone? And they said, oh, why, why don't you come in? And me and Freddie went back and played. And uh, it, it was just cool to, to not be too old, although I was pretty old, but to play with these young kids. And even then, the, their body shapes had changed. And we was, I was standing next to Freddie. We'd gone over for the promotions and we're over there and they were sort of calling the teams out. And this Canberra team walked past and we went, oh. And it, when I played, Everyone had a chest and shoulders. Maybe one bloke in the team would have muscles come out of his back, right? So, yeah, so we walk past and we go, oh, my God, look at that guy. Oh, he's got muscles coming out of his back. You know, like the back yeah. – oh, the second guy, he had it too. The third guy, he had it too. The whole team, they were just – and we were just blown away with the physiques mm. uh, of these kids yep. and, and athletes, which, you know – what six seven years earlier we were playing against it, it, it was mind-boggling that the change that well have you seen what they're, they're they're pressing in the gyms now have you seen the weights that they're doing in the gyms now it's no, just, no it's just I've been in the gym for ages <laughs> just <laughs> absolutely absolutely ridiculous um all right uh it's funny you know when you talk about coming out of retirement for the nines because freddie did the same thing of course for the roosters and played in the nines and he said mm -hmm. to me recently it was it was one of his best experiences yeah. he says because his son watched him play yeah it was the only opportunity that his son actually got him to play in that jumper he says so it was an incredibly ex uh, a rewarding experience for him i think he tore his groin in that game <laughs> <laughs> well lucky he finished so his children yeah. he took he that intercept and he was hobbling through yeah, if yeah, someone yeah. would have tackled him they would have <laughs> no they just let, uh, respect for their elders they just let him go all right all you boys played state of origin the best Queenslander that you came up against? Oh, gee. Uh, Darren Lockyer for me. I hated nice. playing against Lockyer. He was always, um, he was just so consistent and he always had such a cool head on him. Yeah, he probably, he's, he's the number one for me. Luke? I uh, come up in an era where I come up against the greatest Queensland, Queensland team that's ever played. So who do I pick? Take your pick, but I'll, um, I'll go Billy Slater. Mm. I think he was just absolutely mind-blowing, that number one jersey. Never missed a beat. Well, I know that Ray Warren regards him as the greatest fullback to ever played the game. That's, wow. a, that's a big call. Wow. Yeah, greatest fullback to ever played the game. That's a really big call. So, you know, future immortals, but potentially, mm. aren't they? Yeah. Uh, uh, and you, Stephen? I'm going to go Alan Langer. Interesting, we got three uh, different things. Yeah. I, him just, you know, such a small player. You couldn't, you try to run over him, and he, he'd grab you and wrestle you down. And Did you play, he, in, that, did you play in that game that yeah, was supposed to be Freddie's Farewell, and then he, he came, came back. Is that his comeback game? Brought him back yeah. from England. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I did. <laughs> no, he, he, was, he was amazing, Alfie. He's just yeah, so so talented, and, mm. and he would always be offside and never get penalised for offside. Because <laughs> they could see him. But he would always just come up with yeah. a play if they needed something on yeah. their line. He would do one of those little kicks or yeah. something and just come up with something. He was amazing. Well, you mentioned that you know about Alfie getting away with it. Are there some plays in the game that are, that are better at getting away with it than others? Yep. Yeah, there are. I mean, always. Yeah. I mean, the, the best nickname in the game for me has always been Cameron Smith, the accountant. It's just perfect, isn't it? It's just so logical and so logistic and whatnot. It's just a perfect nickname. But I mean, they, they called him the second or third referee, whatever it was. But I mean, to his credit, I mean, that's how clever he was. He, just I mean, knew, he knew every rule. Controlled the game. He knew every rule. Yeah. He knew every way to manipulate everything. Um, but again, that's why he's probably one of the greatest players that's ever played our game. So. Yep. All right. No criticism there. All right, gentlemen, today, what affiliation, if any, do you have with clubs? Luke? Yeah, at the Sharks at the moment, doing a bit of ambassador role, which I absolutely love. It's great just to be around the players uh, week in, week out. I uh, get to go into the change rooms after the game. Obviously, it's hard. You know, you see them win games, which is awesome. You're not a part of it, but, and you get to see them go through the, the heartache, which mm. is tough. But, um, 
yeah, club I love, and I hope I get to stay involved for a long time. And a true blue ambassador. Absolutely, love it. And uh, I got the opportunity to hang out with Freddie and do the uh, Hogs ride, which yep. was with the Hogs for Homeless. Yeah, no, yeah. we've done the Hogs for Homeless, but he teamed up with the, the mental, yeah, for oh, mental okay. health. It was yep. the oh, gotcha for life, gotcha for life. life. That's yeah, the one I was looking more. for yeah. for yeah. Gussie. Yeah, and that yeah. was absolutely mind blowing. So they're yeah. doing a great job out there in New South Wales. You, you ride. Yeah, I did actually. I got to yeah. do the whole ride. Met up with Beaver out there. You done, you done a little bit yeah. of it. You right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I haven't yeah. got a bike, but we, we get a Harley's and. Get no, I got there. a 2013 Harley Fat Boy, you know, 110th anniversary model sitting in my garage collecting dust. So you're going to come <laughs> next ride then? I will come next ride. Yeah, you should come. I'm telling you, just sitting there collecting so dust. Good. It was a collector's so edition. Fun. I think we're only two in Sydney arrived here. It was the 110th anniversary. I think they're up to 120th now. That just shows you how long it's been sitting there. And uh, I've got to get it out. And I don't think I've started it for 12 months. So it's the best thing you'll do. Oh, it's great fun. There's, there's no doubt about you. Craig, what about you? Uh, not too much. Little bits and pieces for the roosters or the rabbitos, but not 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 much at all. Mainly the the New South Wales Blues, yep. which is great fun. I too got to do the Hogs for Homeless thing, but I was in the support car because <laughs> okay. I don't ride a, a bike. It's not that good. You got to be on the bike. You got to be on the bike. And you, Steve? Yeah, I do an ambassador role for the Seagulls and yep. also obviously for the for the New South Wales Blues. Um, still love having an involvement with with both. Um, mm both affiliations in rugby league, not in a coaching manner, which suits me perfectly, but it, it, it's just good fun to be around. And the passion, you know, being involved with sponsors and a bit of a conduit between players mm. and, and sponsors, it, it's good fun. All right. Luke mentioned the sheds, going down to the sheds after the game. And as the chairman, I go down to the sheds, of course, after every game. Um, sometimes you don't know whether how welcome you might be by the players after a loss, for example, because they're, they're hurting. You know, do they really want anyone there in the shed or they just want them and the coaching staff or not? But then you're told by others, no, they don't want you just turning up for the wins. They want you turning up for yeah. the losses as well. You boys played the game. Is that right? I mean, you you, you don't want blokes just floating in and out yeah. at will. I mean, if they're going to be there, they're going to be there for the good and the bad. Yeah, yes. we talk to it all the time. We used to say, oh, look, they turn up for the wins, but they don't turn up <laughs> okay. for the losses. All so, right. yeah, absolutely. If you're going to ride the train, you're going to yeah. ride the train. So, the turning up after yeah. losses, we're doing the right thing then. Well, the, the, well, the, the ones that are there all the time, you start to consider them as part of your team. Yep. The ones that just pop in okay. when there's a win, yep. uh, just the ones yeah. that hang yeah. on the coattails. Okay. Well, and I like that, as I say, I've never been chairman before, so you know I've grown into the role, and I really like the interaction with the players. Young AJ Kapoor did his ACL the other day. He's gone for the year. So I text the kid at night, you know, and then he texts us back, you know, the next morning, first thing yep. in the morning, say thanks very much for that. It's really nicely, you know, that they actually communicate. And, mm -hmm. and there doesn't have to be division between the front office, does there, and the, and the boys, because... You're all, you're all part of the same club. It's you're actually important. Direction. I think that relationship's important yeah. because what, as a player, what we can learn from people mm. like yourself is absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. And sometimes it's hard to bridge that gap or how to make that yeah. um, that approach. But if, if you've got that kind of relationship, it's going to go on and on. And after football, you'll get that relationship and you feel like you build that trust as well. So I think it's outstanding. Yeah, I like that personal connection. Um, on Saturday afternoon, young Jake Simpkins, I went and had lunch with his family uh, because they brought him down from Queensland to see the boy play. And it was really nice to catch up with your mum and dad, his sister and his brother, whatever. And, and as I say, to have a connection between them and the club. But that would be a really big thing for both he and his family. Oh, well, I yeah. text him later and he was really appreciative of it, which was very nice to see. But his family were delightful, really, really nice people. But as I say, even as chair, that may or may not be my role necessarily, but I really enjoy that part of it, you know, I the, think, interacting. I think players, family can feel your passion yeah. for, for the game. And I think that's that's part of it. Someone just comes and says, yeah, mate, good game. And, you know, I mean, you're... you're you can tell you're passionate about yep. the game. You love the Tigers, yep. and that's that's what they feel. Yeah, and it's just a matter of just being sitting on the outside looking in. You really want to be enmeshed in it as much yeah. as you can. 
Uh, Luke, you're doing a bit of commentating this year, ABC. Enjoying that? Love it. Yep. Best, best gig in the world. I can stay involved in the game. I get to watch a game that I absolutely love. I get, I've got a great team in here with Andrew Moore and Dean Hallitow and the rest of the crew that come in and out. And Johnny Gibbs has been on there. I've learned a lot from Gibbsy. So, yeah, look, I'm absolutely loving that opportunity. Mm. And, yeah, fingers crossed it stays there for a while because, again, to get the footy fix. Um, is Dino Hallitow, is he... Is yeah, Dean, Dino's Dean does a do a bit, bit of sideline. I do okay. Friday night with him, and I do a bit of work with Carri- Michael Carrianis. And obviously every yep. Sunday afternoon, I, I work with Johnny Gibbs. So, yeah, been absolutely mind blowing. And Andrew Moore, I believe, is probably the yeah. best caller in the game. Just, just watch that, Michael Carrianis. You can't trust yeah. those Greeks. You know, <laughs> He's a rat bag. Yeah, you got, got to be careful <laughs> with those Greeks. Now, Craig, you're a, a real estate magnet, of course, trying to uh, always sell me properties that I can't afford. But that that's occupying. I, I can help you. I'm <laughs> sure. That's, we'll that. that's <laughs> occupying a bit of your time. Yeah, that's that, that's my gig now. Um, completely different to football, but uh, so I work as a real estate buyer's agent. We focus mainly on the lower North Shore, eastern suburbs, prestige properties in residential, but we also source commercial investment properties, whether they be shopping centres, office buildings, strata units, whatever it is, uh, development sites even. Um, and yeah, it's it's really good. I'm not just focused on any one area. I'm I'm, I'm constantly looking for opportunities out there in the marketplace and. Uh, the market's very, very hot at the moment, no, so it is. there's a lot of work. Very true. Uh, and Steve, you've expanded your repertoire. Tell, yes. us, tell us what you're doing now. I'm a mortgage broker um, based at Olympic Park there. Uh, I've got a little office in Manly I work from, but obviously we come at uh, Homebush um, most days. And um, Yeah, I've been mortgage broking with Citywide for um, about four years now, and I, and I love it. it it's, and I'm sure the boys can sort of say the similar thing, finding something that excites you outside of this little bubble of rugby league can, can be really hard and... Um, we sort of touched on it earlier that you finish between 30 and 40, you retire, and it's not about the the, the money, so to speak. It, it can be where do I fit in? What's my you know for your whole life you've had goals and a direction, and you know what you want to do. And when I retired, I had a really easy transition into a, an ambassador manly, and I was involved in a, a golf business. But finding my purpose was really hard, and I was jealous of mates that left in year 10 that were you know carpenters and they had apprentices and they knew where they were heading and, and that can be really hard so to find something that that excites me helping people you know, save money on refinances buying you know the, the greatest investment they will it's it's really satisfying oh, well, glad to hear it, as i say i mean um, loving what you do is half the battle isn't it mm-hmm. it really yeah, is whether, totally. whether it's playing professional sport or whether it's doing a job you know nine to five uh, all right, gentlemen, we're going to finish off with uh, one final question directed to Steve. And I'm told here that there was a recent um, a story that you told on Triple M regarding Desi Hasler and a pair of Doc Martens. Now, I don't know if I've ever heard this story. I really haven't heard no, it. No, I don't I, think I, I have. I've t- told it a few times. So Desi is notoriously the tightest man in rugby league, <laughs> you know, bar okay. maybe one. Um, Ga- and Ga- hang on, Ga- is, are you including Gary Jack? I in think that? so, yes. Yeah, the rumour has it. So, so Desi's super tight. So I started playing with Desi and... He always used to wear these brown Doc Martin shoes, and you know, for like seven years since I started playing with him, since he became coach, he would always have this brown Doc Martin pairs. You know, it was even his 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 fortieth birthday. I think we bought him a brand new pair of black uh, Doc Martin shoes. He kept them in the box. He goes, no, no, these brown ones still got still got some wear. Anyway, so we're playing a playing a, a game, and Desi was was the coach, and. Now his bag came round and one of the Doc Martens was just sticking out the top. So uh, an unnamed player thought, that's Desi's Doc Martin. Boom. Steals the Doc Martin shoe. We go to train on the Monday. Desi brings us in. Ha ha, boys. All right, give us the shoe. Boom. No no one said a word. And you know, he said, right, 
I, I need the shoe, we're going to flog yous. And so, boom, hundreds, we're doing sprints and tackle bags. Anyway, no, nothing happened. The next day, all right, we're out there, we're out there training and no no sign of the shoe. We're out there training and we're, we're sort of doing a bit of ball work and one of the trainers runs out, hands Desi an envelope. So Desi gets the envelope and calls everyone in, opens it up. It was a ransom note. <laughs> the letters were cut out from a magazine. It, I wish he still had it. It was immaculate. It had, Des, we have your shoe. Give us $300 to the players fund or else. And it looks so good. He's going, I won't stand for this blackmail. Who's got the shoe? Dead silence. All right, that's it. Sprints, tackle bags, all that sort of stuff. Next day comes around again. We're doing some ball work or something. The, the trainer starts running out. Desi doesn't even wait for the trainer. Call, boys, come in, come in. Hands him another envelope. He opens another immaculately written ransom note. This time it's all cut out perfect. Listen here, Des, we make the rules. Give us the cash <laughs> or else. And one of his shoelaces was cut in half. <laughs> He's going, that's my shoelace. That's my shoelace. Anyway, he flogged us again. No more was seen of the, of, of the shoe. There was... Over the next two months, there was a couple of photos would turn up in the sheds, like no presentation, but there was these three guys with balaclavas and had a knife held to the shoe. Another one, they had like a lighter held to the shoe. And Anyway, so this went on. The shoe never turned up. After this, it's maybe, I reckon, five years later, I'm, I'm getting married. Nick Kossoff, he's my best man. Anyway, Nick does the, the best man speeches. So I've just got one more, one more thing to say. I was involved with the brown Doc Martin shoe and my accomplices were John Hopperwadi and Steve Menzies. <clears throat> and everyone's laughing because they know the shoe story and <clears throat> we're all, and he goes, and here's the shoe. And he <laughs> produces the brown Doc Martin shoe. So everyone again erupts and just as it simmers down, Desi stands up and goes, no, I only threw the other one out last week. <laughs> he kept it for another five years, hoping he would get it back. Oh, that's terrible. That's um, that right, look, as I say, awesome. it is a particular personality trait, which some, some people have and others don't. But I think a Blocker and Wayne Pierce tell the story of um, training at Leichhardt, of course, with Gary Jack, and that Gary would stay back as late as he could after training because his mate would come on the tolls on the way to Wollongong and he would have to he would avoid paying the 20 cent toll <laughs> to get home. So he'd have to stay back and do extras to avoid paying. Nice. I can't believe any of that is true. Uh, listen, gentlemen, this has been an incredible pleasure for me. I mean, look, you know, sponsoring the Blues is one thing, but getting to know True Blue Ambassadors is something else. It's just a completely different level. So Luke, Craig, Steve, thank you very much for coming. I hope it wasn't too bad for you boys either. Thanks very much for having us. It was good fun. And uh, thank you to all out there listening to another uh, episode of Law Pod by Bryden's Lawyers. And remember, if there's anything in particular that you want us to address or any particular guests to have on, uh, please email us directly at lawpod at brydens.com.au and follow us on all our social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. And of course, we don't have the Instagram following that Craig Wing does, but we're, we're doing the best that we can. So uh, thank you, gentlemen. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Thank you.